This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good morning, Equalizer Extra subscribers. It's time for another episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Episode 42 of the Equalizer podcast. Dan Lawletta and Chelsea Bush are back home from Chicago. Claire Watkins remains in Chicago. And it was nice to see you both this week. How are you all recovering from convention week? Yeah, I really wish I'd taken tomorrow off of work. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. I really wish right. I had taken more days last week off of work. But. <laughs> yeah. It's the home field disadvantage at some yeah. of these things, right? Yeah. You don't have to travel, but then you get you get pulled by all the things in your hometown. Yeah. My name's Dan Lawlett, in case I forgot to mention, or if you don't know. Um, Claire, let's I'm gonna start with you because I believe this is your first convention slash draft. So I'm wondering general generally speaking, what, what were your thoughts on um, the whole thing? I mean I thought I thought obviously I thought the um the production of the whole thing, I thought it went really smoothly. Um, anyone who watched, but also anyone who watched the draft knew that um, nothing kind of crazy happened, you know, while, while it was occurring. But um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was interesting. It didn't feel like there were a ton of players there that got drafted. Um, so there was a, there was a little bit maybe less player availability than um, in the past, but I thought it was great. Uh, Chicago local one three four came through, and um, yeah, they were they were great. They were awesome, yeah. And they were you know they stayed for the whole time. They were cheering. They brought you know they kept the energy up, um, which was really cool. And yeah, I, I had a, a great great first experience for sure. There's never been a draft in a city with a team. Baltimore sort of has Washington, and uh, this what are they, the squadron? They had a pretty okay presence a couple years ago but yeah chicago 134 was fantastic you two know the players a lot better than i do so why don't you go for it on you know who did well obviously davidson came finally found out wednesday night at like six o'clock that davidson was coming in and chicago took her but who did well who didn't do well and we'll get to the sky blue stuff separately a little later um well i think obviously with davidson coming in um this definitely felt like a draft with a, a, you know, a very valuable number one pick and then kind of everybody else, which is not, I, I don't want to say that as a, as, as denigrating the other players, particularly the ones who went in the first round, but um, it was definitely not necessarily, you had Chicago really maybe getting a cornerstone player for the future. And then everybody else was more just looking for specific needs for right now. Um, 
I thought, I mean, the Washington Spirit probably had the most active draft, um, but I can't probably say whether or not at this point um, it's going to work out for them, what they decided to do, which was uh, ship out three, you know, players who have been with them for a long time and really bet on the future uh, without necessarily really making strides on on their defense. So I don't know. It was interesting. What do you think, Chelsea? I think I want to say that the Spirit have been betting on the future for like, this will be like their third year in a row. Yeah, for sure. Hasn't quite worked out like at some point. Um, I do think this, I think they had a pretty good draft though. They had some good picks. I think they, they utilized them well. Um, if you're not looking at, you know, what, what else they did, uh, they, they seem to be in a shortage of keepers, although there's plenty of those floating around out there. Um, I, Chicago obviously had a, had a good draft, although I stand by what I say is that they, I understand why they took Davidson, I still think that Haley Mace would have been a, a fulfilled a better need for them. But I also understand you can't pass up Tiernan Davidson. Um, it was, I thought it was a very, you know, a little bit quieter of a draft, but I think that fits in with, with the rest of the season in general. I thought, you know, Houston did pretty well with, given that they didn't have any first round picks. Uh, North Carolina grabbed a couple good ones, which they didn't need, but hey, good for them. Um, it just, it was a very lopsided draft because you just had, just, you know, maybe three, three, four teams that had a lot. And then just a few that had a couple, some late picks. And then you had Seattle, uh, who didn't have any, which is bizarre and, uh, proved Dan wrong, which happens hmm. occasionally. He was trying though. I, I bumped into him like midway through the draft and he's like, I'm, I'm really trying to get in, trying to get in. So yeah, no one wanted to, no but, one wanted to uh, wheel and deal, but, um, yeah, you're right. So basically if you're looking at a summation of the whole league, obviously, uh, Chicago, Sky Blue and Washington, um, ended up, you know, really kind of diving into this draft in a lot of ways. And then you had teams like Utah, Portland, Seattle, and Orlando who really didn't do a ton. Though I think Portland, I thought Portland's one pick might really work out for them. Um, just in terms of numbers, though, they're not not super invested in in picking up or at least in filling out their preseason rosters uh, with uh, college kids. I think Parsons was trying to move up too. He was at the Sky Blue table before one of their first round picks and I think before number six and uh, obviously nothing worked out but you know every coach I spoke to kind of not necessarily on the record they always said ah the prices are too high everyone's overvaluing picks which I find interesting and you know part of it is that with the roster expansion which was finally made official we had it here like a month ago but 22 plus four developmental players minimum salary don't count against the cap um you know, there's teams don't have to make deals. A team like the Courage probably would have had to move somebody at some point, but with the extra spots, it's easier to kind of fit everybody in that you had, even the overflow players from a year ago. So I wonder if that's part of what's holding up the trade market. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense where there doesn't have like uh, the action isn't being forced, especially for the teams at the top of the table. Um, because they now have, have room though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, you know, Chicago is going to have room for everybody, but, um, we'll see, we'll see kind of how that plays out. Uh, I would think also because it's a world cup year, it's the same, same deal where, um, depth players are going to be seeing more time. So there's probably not a ton of incentive for teams to move them now, uh, you know, when they know that they're going to be needed later. Well, we were talking about this during the draft, the Katie Naughton factor for Chicago, because mm-hmm. we had all these different scenarios, like the uh, 
draft Davidson and put Ertz in midfield? Or you, do you draft Mace and mix things up a little bit? What about the possibility that from July onward, it's, it'll be Ertz and Davidson in the back and Naughton on the bench and then a really interesting uh, trade chip at the end of the season? I think that's a definite possibility. Um, I think that that is as likely a scenario as a variety of other things. Um, but you're right in that it's not a pressing issue because of the World Cup. So, you know, Chicago has an incentive to um, hold on to a player like Naughton for now uh, because they're going to need her. She could be a real difference maker when all the internationals are gone. But, um, yeah, the Chicago back line is a little bit crowded right now, uh, and they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do about that. Uh, but also, as we know, sometimes if you have a player as good as Katie Naughton, that's a fantastic bargaining chip for to fill a different need. Chelsea, you still with us? Oh, she might not be. I was... oh. <laughs> no, I am. Oh, there I she am. is. <laughs> long weekend, I know, long week. Not a lot of sleep, a lot of commuting, a lot of running around. Speaking of which, Chelsea and I were at the podcast table for a lot of the um, day on Friday and a little bit, I guess, late on Thursday. And some of those have already rolled out, but we've got a lot of cool um, individual interview style podcasts coming out. So what do we have? Allie Krieger and Laura Harvey. Uh, who uh, else did talk to? Monica yeah. Gonzalez. Krieger, Harvey Gonzalez, uh, Leslie Gallimore, um, which may have already rolled out. I think that was going to be the first one. Haley Carter, Yala Averbush. Alexi uh, Lawless. Alexi Lawless. I know Lawless. That'll, that'll, that'll draw a reaction <laughs> one way or another. But um, he's going to be part of the World Cup studio like... panel. So. And then we had the Facebook Live with uh, Lori Lindsay and Jordan and Jelly. So if you haven't caught that, I think you can still view it on our Facebook. I think. And also Dave Copeland-Smith, better known as Beast Mode Soccer. With a good story about how he got that name, if uh, no one's heard it before. Oh, that includes me. I guess I guess I should go listen. I was there, but I couldn't hear what you guys were saying. Yeah, so. he does tell how that name came out, and Alex Morgan's involved. So there's a little preview for you. Okay, I'll tell you this. The first time I met him, you know, it wouldn't he wouldn't have been the first guy I would have, like, picked out of the lineup and say, hey, are you Beast Mode? Anyway. Yeah, he's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the sky blue stuff obviously is something that can't be avoided. You know, this has gone on since the summer, really, when Sam Kerr um, really exercised her uh, option to speak after leaving the team and coming back, scoring the hat trick. Um, you know, we've gotten extraordinarily well sourced information that Haley Mace will not be signing with them that Julia Ashley doesn't want to sign with them. I think there's still a little possibility that the New Jersey poll for Ashley, who's from there, will get her to sign. Don't know about any of the other players downdraft. And obviously, the farther down the draft you go, the less leverage you're going to have because the overseas options are lesser and less lucrative. And uh, just a little while ago, we broke that Haley Mace is going to sign with Melbourne City, then maybe Sweden. Or England, but the interesting thing about the Melbourne City contract is she actually has a contract with Melbourne City. I think almost, if not literally, every other NWSL player in Australia is on loan. Mace is not on loan. She's got a contract with Melbourne City. So this is obviously for real that Sky Blue is going to have a problem fielding a team. It's also interesting that it, they only have like two games left, plus the uh, 
Yeah, I think there's three weeks and two games or something like that, and maybe the playoffs. Yeah, maybe, but there there are two spots out right now. So to me, it sounds like she she knew all along what she, you know she suspected was going to happen in the in the draft, and kind of had this plan and was just waiting for it to be over to say, "Boom! I'm in Australia. I'm not coming. See ya." Yeah, I I think it's it's um, it's I'm I'm glad that she's doing it. I mean, I'm glad that I think even just a little bit of of playing time can go a long way. Even just showing teams that while you might not be sure that you want to go to sky blue you are committed to becoming a professional so that is also probably a good signal to any teams in europe that might be interested in her that this is you know the sky blue factor it hasn't slowed her down from pursuing her career um it'll i'd be interested to see how she does in the w league it would have been cool if she had been able to go do that right away but um Obviously, I, I get that the season doesn't make sense. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I and, and that's the thing where it's really also hard to gauge Sky Blue's draft class because we're unsure exactly how many of them are going to report come preseason. And I was under the impression that the top three picks in the draft should have been Davidson, Mace, and Julia Ashley. So I thought Sky Blue traded the, num- the number three pick because they knew Ashley didn't want to play there and figured, let's trade the pick. I don't like that trade at all. I think they did not get enough value for the number three overall pick, but that's a separate conversation. And then they wind up taking Ashley at six. So I don't know whether they thought that and then said it's, she's too good to pass up at six. I don't know what you guys think who watch a lot more college soccer than I do, but that's a very awkward situation. Yeah, I thought that that whole aspect of the first round um, was odd to me. I thought that uh, the Spirit traded up to pick Ashley. I thought that that was the move that they were making because um, they needed they need because the Spirit need defenders, um, right, especially after the trade. They right, more. exactly. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe the Spirit told Sky Blue that that was not what they were doing, and so that was maybe why Sky Blue was willing to part with that pick. Um, but yeah, I thought it was odd too because it didn't seem like Julia Ashley was anticipating falling to six. Um, so I don't know if that was something that came from a conversation that she had had with anybody. Um, but yeah, that was, that was probably the oddest sort of when it comes to body language and, and the quotes that we, that we got from Julia Ashley after she was picked was that it seemed like that first round was not what she expected either. So I don't know exactly what happened there, but yeah, it was kind of weird. So what did you two think of the spirit picks at three and four? Um, I, I think that uh, it, well, it makes a lot of sense considering they also got Tegan McGrady at seven. Um, I don't think, I, I think it's interesting that they're uh, still stacking in midfielders. I don't know if that was a move because they're thinking about the World Cup, but um, yeah, they they didn't necess- they they weren't necessarily looking about filling needs. I think they were just trying to get players that they liked, which I think is interesting. But again, it's it's also hard to gauge because uh, their coach is so new, so I don't know what the vision is there. Yeah, their coach also spoke to the Washington Post. Some interesting quotes in there. So let's take a quick break. We'll do segment two. More on the Spirit, more on Sky Blue, more on NWSL Draft Day 2000. 
19 with Chelsea and Claire. I'm Dan. This is episode 42 of the Equalizer podcast. Episode 42, segment two, Equalizer podcast, Dan with Claire and Chelsea. Did either of you get a look yet at this Washington Post story uh, about Richie Burke, the new head coach of the Spirit? I've seen the quotes that, uh, that, that John Halloran posted on Twitter. I haven't read the whole thing. Same here. Should we read the quotes? Yeah, I've only read the quotes. I haven't read the article. Yeah, right, I, think, I, think it's worth, I think it's worth reading. All right, let's read the quotes. And this is not the full story. Um, for years, Burke led the National Cathedral School Girls Program to Prep Excellence. This is obviously not a quote from the story. A position he kept despite longing to be involved with a pro outfit. He had promised his wife he would not seek bigger opportunities outside the area until their children had completed high school. All right, here we go with the quotes. It was a difficult period not to undermine NCS, which is National Cathedral School, in any way. It sounds very conceited and pig-headed to say it was like Einstein teaching fourth-grade math. We won everything. Why? Because we were being coached and worked at a higher level. It was a very frustrating period, but now I'm glad I did it. It was for my family. Some of these franchises, NWSL franchises, have gone for some players who are aggressive and brutish and a little less inclined to play football because it's a results-oriented business. Irrespective of the fact, I am now working with will make us very successful and a very attractive product to watch. If we are going to lose, we are going to lose with style. And I'll let you two comment on this. But the only thing I have to say is that I'm getting the popcorn ready for this spirit season because this is going to be fascinating. Yeah, and then you kind of cut out there. Yeah, you, you cut out. Can you actually, can you, uh, can you just read the first sentence of that last paragraph again? Irrespective yeah. of the fact that I am now working with girls, we are going to play the same way and adhere to those principles that I believe will make us very successful and a very attractive product to watch. If we are going to lose, we are going to lose with style. Yeah, uh, that's quite the quote. I mean, we all... We all, you know, saw Richie Burke at, at the draft, and he's a real personable guy, and he likes to talk. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see talk about one of the things about going into a new role is uh, you're the head coach of an NWSL team. When you say things like that, people really uh, listen and have opinions about it, which he might not be used to. So it'll be interesting to see if that tones down at all, or if he might just be. A really great, you know, post-game quote. Uh, he certainly seems to think he's the right guy for the job, uh, despite, I think he also admitted uh, in the piece that he wasn't familiar with the spirit <clears throat> until he was being considered for the position. Um, that, and someone also pointed out that if he's a youth coach in that area, that's impossible. Right. I mean, maybe he didn't, like, know the league per se, but I can't imagine he didn't like know they existed, nor would I ever want to hire anybody that didn't know that going into year seven. I would imagine he probably meant that he just probably didn't follow it closely. Right. I think so, too. Yeah, which, again, makes it incredibly difficult to uh, rate his draft picks because I don't know exactly what information he was basing those on, um, especially the big 
trade, uh, you know, shipping out um, Caprice Didasco and uh, Estelle Johnson. And uh, remind me of the third player who? Didi Haruji. Ah, that's right, the the keeper. So um, that's a big move to make if, if you're kind of new to analyzing that roster. So I think that it's, uh, yeah, big, big words from, uh, from Richie Burke. Uh, odd to call his players girls. Um, but that's, I, I don't know. It seems like such a weird quote. I almost wonder if he was misquoted, but it's such a weird thing to say to me, that last bit. I mean, the girls thing, I don't like it. And for those who are like, well, we, we call, you know, men, boys or lads all the time. It's not the same. I, I'm not going to get into why it's not the same. I'm not, it's not a double standard. Girls is used a lot more as, as sort of a derogatory term than boys or lads is. So let's just get that out of the way. Uh, but unfortunately, it's quite common. Um, he just sounds a little, a little overblown to me. Um, confidence is, is all well and good. But he, he certainly has a high opinion of himself for someone who was not coaching on, you know, a highest level. And, you know, complaining about being results-oriented. Of course it's results-oriented. It's, it's a sports league. What else is it supposed to be? They're not here to see who can play the prettiest football. It's not a figure skating competition. <laughs> Come on. The, it's the only thing I'll say about the girls thing, and I don't use that word when I discuss women's sports is that a lot of times the players themselves will say things like, yeah, the girls really came through or whatnot. So I can understand why that word would be on your mind. Again, I don't use it. And I think there's a lot worse parts of that quote, uh, that series of quotes and the fact that he didn't know about the team. So that's just my opinion on that. Um, somebody told me leading up to the draft that he was, I believe the word used was cantankerous. Mm. And he was addressing some people the other day at the draft, and I kind of approached, and what I heard him say was that we'll be like the yin and the yang. I assume he was talking about an assistant. And he said, because I can be, you know, a little tough. And then another um, group began, and I cut out of that to go talk to somebody else. So that's really the only experience I got. But he's basically admitted that he's a little bit tough and that he's going to have a, a, someone on his coaching staff to kind of uh, – offset that a little bit but uh i don't know it's it's a young team and let me ask you let me ask you to this if you if the league was starting right now and you put in the end of 2018 rosters and there was no baseline about how teams played wouldn't the spirit be considered middle to good just on the roster yeah yeah they're still incredibly talented i think um <clears throat> positionally they're still very lopsided. I guess maybe that's the biggest issue is they don't um yeah. they don't have the people to fill the right roles. But that also right. isn't I don't think why they couldn't score. So I, I don't know exactly how you go about fixing some of that stuff, but it definitely seems like Burke has some ideas. Yeah. I just found it interesting. Like what do you do with the roster? Like do you come in and say roster was too good to be two and whatever they were and never score? Let's make it better or we were two and whatever we were and never scored, so let's blow it up. And I did see Chaina Matthews is uh, actually going to be in camp with Jamaica, so that's good news. She yeah. missed last season uh, to have a baby, and you know a lot of times, you know that's it for a lot of players. But uh, she's she's coming back, so that's a good thing for the team and for her. And yeah, uh, w- go ahead. I would say as well as uh, Havana Salon. What about she's also, her? She also got called up by Jamaica. Oh, did not see and, that. Good yes, for her. And uh, 
Caleb McCoy, who was drafted by Houston. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Well, that'll make, uh, if they all get to the World Cup, that'll make the Jamaica games a lot more interesting. Yeah, totally. To, uh, pay attention. And I know your, uh, your girl there, Claire, sorry. So there you go. I said girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought you were a woman. I was, uh, anyway, uh, but Bunny Shaw, one of your favorite players, not um, <coughs> draft. So I know that that was a loss. Right. For the league that she didn't come in. Doesn't mean she can never come in, but it means she can't play this season. Am I crazy or was uh, Bianca St. George the only uh, quasi-international that was drafted this year? I believe that is correct. Yeah. And she might not. Right. She might not be. I think there's some question as to whether or not she might be able to uh, get a green card. But I thought that was not insignificant. Um, those international spots—they're hard to break into, and there are some really good players out there who, uh, you know, come into the league other ways. Definitely, and I think the league this year, which is a good thing that they did, uh, didn't list any other country unless the player required an international spot, mm-hmm. which I think is a good thing. Because remember when Rocky Rodriguez came in and nobody knew? Right, including, yeah. Including, like, the league's office, like, a day before the draft, told me they didn't know if she needed it. And that's, like, a big-time player. Right. And you kind of need to know that information, whether she needs that spot or not. How about the dash, Chelsea? Uh, the You know, the James Clarkson, their coach, not necessarily someone that has a lot of history in the women's game or even on the girls' side, you know, with the youth game, but he apparently watched every Dash game in its entirety before his interview and has been up apparently night and day watching stuff on the draft. So that's a lot different vibe than you got coming out of Washington, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, you and I uh, talked to Clarkson a bit, and then, of course, we did the podcast with Monica Gonzalez. So I think after talking to both of them, um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that they have some good ideas I think they kind of, you said they, they're putting in their homework and they went in with some specific ideas in the draft, didn't uh, maybe get all the players they wanted, um, but but I think they got some pretty good ones for being in this, like I said, being in the second round. Um, I, I I wasn't sure what I thought about the hire. I, I think a, a little bit better of it now that I've spoken to both of them, although I was, I was thrilled about Monica Gonzalez. Um, I wasn't sure about Clarkson, but I, I kind of liked what he had to say. We briefly talked to him. I liked what Monica had to say, and I like to hear that he's, you know, been using what very, very little time he has left. Um, I also um, did hear one bit of something they may have lined up for preseason, uh, which I'm not going to, I can't say here, but I, I like it. So I think they're a little teaser there for you guys, but uh, I think that I think they're being ambitious, which is something that the Dash uh, need. And uh, there was a little debate going on about whether or not last year was their best season because they had the most wins and the most points, I believe. But some think it was 2015 when they finished in fifth. And Mm -hmm. it's like, do you really want to have this debate when none of the seasons have included a playoff game? Like, does it matter? You got to be better than all. All of them are not good enough. I think that's full stop, right? Exactly. And what do you make of the Huerta thing? He came right out and said that she asked for a trade to certain teams, he didn't list them, and that the offers haven't been good enough. I think that he sounds like he's actively trying to make that trade happen, um, but I think I think it is going to happen. I'm going to throw that out there. I, my gut feeling that, that, that the trade's going to happen. I think either she's going to have to bend on where she's willing to go, 
or he's going to have to bend and take something a little bit lower than maybe he thought. And I, I get, you know, he want he's like he said, he wants a starter who's going to score goals because that's what she did for them last season. I get that. Um, it's just the fact that I don't think some of the other teams are talking to need her for that role. And that's what not that, you know, she's not looking for that role. She wants to play outside back. Well, I think like also, Ellis. I think also you have to, I think you have to look at it like this. If, um, so if the Houston dash consider Huerta to be, um, truly on the U S women's national team bubble, I'm sure that they would want a player with that equivalent status to come in for them. Um, but I think it's possible that some other teams no longer consider her to have that specific value. Um, and so I, I can understand why there might be some disagreement for the dash who are saying, Hey, we have this, you know, us women's national team bubble player, um, who's very good. She's established in the league. We want the equivalent. And the other teams are saying, well, she's kind of fallen out of favor. Um, she's would be a good addition to our roster, but we don't see her in that same light. So um, I think when coaches go public with that kind of stuff, that's part of the negotiation. Uh, I think he probably thought that there was just as much value in uh, kind of publicly putting it out there to the whole league, that this was something that they were willing to entertain just to see if anyone takes a flyer on it. I hate to bring this up and they play on opposite sides, but isn't whether or not Hinkle is actually on the death chart or not a factor in what place Huerta's in? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because Hinkle's better than Huerta. Right. So at right at if, outside back, yeah. Right. So if Hinkle's like two or three spots down and actually has a chance to be called in, that has to be a huge factor in how close Huerta is if there's an injury or somebody falls out of favor. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think. Oh, go ahead. I just I think the likelihood is that neither one of them are really. I don't think Huerta's really in that realm anymore. I agree. Yeah. I agree. No, I just I, don't I just think, don't think I, that's what the Houston Dash probably would like to hear. <laughs> I don't think Huerta's out for good. I think Hinkle won't be back. I think Huerta maybe, maybe for the Olympics, depending on what happens. And I think Huerta's a factor for twenty three. I think Hinkle's not. Right. I think that's probably now, true. You agree? Yeah, I do. All right, Chelsea. You think the trade's going to happen? Where do you yeah. think she's going? Uh, I don't know. I really don't. Um, just so you just, think. because here's the thing it, Washington could absolutely use her and probably would play her at outside back they could use her there I don't think she's going to want to go to Washington and I'm not sure Washington has much that they're they're not going to part with Rose Lavelle or Mal Pugh and that's kind of what you know Houston's looking for um, I'm not sure got, if I I'm not sure I wouldn't do Lavelle for Huerta maybe get Houston to throw in something else well, or I would say if you're talking about true bubble equivalents, I, and I don't think Washington's going to do this because I think they're really grooming her for a leadership role, but Andy Sullivan might make sense. Yeah, interesting. She did not play well. So, yeah, you know. I'm yeah, that's the, the problem is. there. Right. Uh, if she can get her U.S. form for club, then absolutely. Yeah, that's, I, I deliberately left her out, though, because I was like, based on, on what she did for Washington, she's, I wouldn't rate her very highly. Mm. If if she had never played for the national team, I don't think we'd be even you know be talking about her. Right. No, I agree completely. Completely. Um, I think that Orlando could use her in a variety of of positions. That that might be something worth looking into. They give new coaches, by the way. They don't have one yet. We know it's Mark Skinner, well, but they haven't announced yeah. that yet. Orlando's a, Orlando's the mystery team to me. 
even more than coming, Washington. It's got to be coming any day now, though, right? He's left his former club, so now it's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious that that's who it is, and and even the GM, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, who's that's who I left the Richie Burke scrum for, but uh, said that the new coach was one hundred percent in on the draft day decision. So. All right, uh, let's get out of segment two. We've got the Q&A coming up, a couple, of, a little bit of news and notes and maybe a few other loose topics to touch on as this is the uh, Monday as we drop this after the 2019 NWSL draft. This is, ex- this is episode 42 of the Equalizer podcast. Third and final segment of the Equalizer podcast. This is episode 42 with Chelsea Bush and Claire Watkins. I'm Dan Lawletta. We had the 2019 NWSL draft last Thursday. Um, One note I just want to bring up, the Manchester United women's game that was played on Sunday was abandoned following what is being termed by the Guardian a serious injury to Charlotte Kerr, who is a player for the Charlton team. And evidently there was no ambulance on site and that teams, at least that's the second division of the women's game. And I don't know if the, um, what the rules are for the FAWSL, which I'm assuming that Manchester United will be a part of next season. Uh, but apparently they don't have to have an ambulance on site. They got to have all this other stuff, but it took the, it took the ambulance 30 minutes to get there. It was a collision. There's no word on uh, how Charlotte Kerr is doing, which obviously is the most important part of this. But uh, we, we had a little bit of this a few years ago at that fiasco at Frontier game where the uh, apparently it took a while for the uh, for medical attention to get to Haley Kottmeyer, but this seems a good bit worse than that. So that's something we'll keep an eye on uh, throughout the week and going forward. All right, let's go to the Q&A. The hashtag is EQZpod, and let's roll it back. And let's go to, boom, boom. All right, Mish Fowler says, how realistic is it that Sky Blue won't be able to get the required 20-player roster minimum? I don't think that's realistic at all because you can, as far down as you want to go, there are people who want to play pro soccer. Somebody will be there. Any disagreements? No, I think that that's going to be, be I think numbers wise that's going to be no problem at all I think they'll have open tryouts and uh, if they wanted to fill their entire roster with those players they are allowed to do so yeah that's that's not an issue all right Michael Phillips do you think that Haley Mace has ruined her chance of being on USWNT this year because of her likelihood of not reporting to Sky Blue how many players other than Ashley and Mace and the five others that have bailed and traded, do you think will not report? What about McCaskill? Um, I don't think she's ruined her chances because of this. I don't think her chances were very good to begin with. I think I do think she I did I do think she wants to stay in the league because she thinks that's the best chance, but I mean a lot of things have to happen for Haley Mace to be at the World Cup. Right. I think the I, I think yeah, I think Mace not being in January camp is a, a high you know, kind of indicates where she's at on that depth chart. And, and there's yeah, more players in order. Yeah, there's more players in camp than will be on the World Cup roster. 
Um, in terms of who I look, I've heard a lot of players have asked to be traded. Um, you know, Christina Gibbons decided to retire. Stott left. Frisbee left. Katie Johnson was about to leave for England. And I'm guessing that somebody figured out that they should either make a trade offer or Sky Blue realized they should try to make a trade. And I actually think, what do you guys think of this, especially Claire? Because I know you're on the, you have your finger on the pulse of the Red Stars. They overpay a little bit for the Katie, for Katie Johnson? I think maybe on paper, but also, uh, they really needed a player like her, um, and they knew they weren't going to get it in the draft. So um, I think that that was them making a decision uh, just because they knew what they were going to need this year on the attacking end. Uh, we'll have to see if they overpaid. Um, I mean, my my Chicago draft analysis is that they, that they got good pickups, but there weren't a ton of players in this particular draft um, that were knockouts in the positions that they needed. So in a way, it makes sense to me. Uh, why they would uh, give up uh, the the later picks in the first round. And they've got four first-round picks for 2020, so they're doing something right here. Uh, staying with Michael Phillips, since the conditions have been so below minimum standards at Sky Blue for so long, why would any rational person expect any player to feel obligated to go there draft or trade-wise? And either of you two want to touch this one first? Yeah, they're, they're not it's free country. They're not obligated to go anywhere, but... It's a, a, I guess, a risk they're taking when they play in the league, you know. Uh, there are always places people don't want to go. And also, according to Tony Novo, they aren't below minimum standards. Right, Dan? And they'll no, have good us. news within 30 days, and by the time Monday rolls around, that'll be down to 26. That's what we were told at the draft. So there should be good news. He believes Haley Mace will be there after they get through some of the negativity. That's not going to happen. So it, what amazes me about this, though, seriously, is that regardless of whether they're going to become a first class organization this season, which I doubt, or whether they're going to stay exactly the same, which I hope not, neither the league nor the club has any idea how to handle this in terms of public perception. Like none. Well, I yeah, I um, I think that's one of the most interesting things about it, um, which is I'm shocked that. The, neither the league nor the club anticipated, you know, college students reading about, you know, what former players and staff are saying. Yeah, maybe Richie Burke was was advising. <laughs> you know, I I have something to say to that because I was at the the coaches so, coaches social, which was the the evening of the draft Thursday night, and I spoke with Utah's head coach, and he said even his freshman players, know they don't want to go to Sky Blue. They really don't know why. They just know that it's bad. Right. And so it's it's permeated pretty deeply for anyone involved in, in women's soccer. I, I talked to people I didn't even know who they were about Sky Blue over the course of the three days I was there. And exactly. It's the perception. If college freshmen at a school that probably hasn't produced any players in the league even, right, don't want to go to Sky Blue, that's a, that's a big problem. you got to figure out how to overcome that. Yeah, and, and I think uh... – yeah, I think, and that's that's the thing. And I think that I think uh, even if if they're if the league is willing to kind of push, they understand the value of having Sky Blue exist, obviously. Um, but that's not necessarily the position that any player is going to take. And they've let Sky Blue really become the boogeyman here. 
And uh, that is going to take, that's going also going to be institutional memory that even when Sky Blue, if and when Sky Blue does raise their standards, it's going to take them a very long time to, uh, to get over when it comes to players wanting to go there. Well, and what I don't understand, why do we need to give Tony Nova 30 days? Why doesn't he tell us today what he's planning on doing? Why do we have to wait till it's done? I mean, there may be some things he can't talk about, but say something. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And the story came out in July, and the season ended in September, and it's now the middle of January. Uh, before I get to the next question, I do want to say, to be fair, that Estelle Johnson, um, I believe it was an Instagram post where she thanked everybody in Washington and basically said, next stop, New Jersey. So that's not like a ringing endorsement of the club, but it is a suggestion that she's actually going to go to Sky Blue, and uh, we can also say that Estelle Johnson is one of the most underrated players in the league. I think if you put her on a good defense, she will not be the, a weak link in that defense. Do you, you want her to lead your defense? Probably not. I think she's really good. Anyway, Caroline Slade. I believe Carly Lloyd has made no public comments about the Sky Blue mess except to say no comment. Would things be different slash better if she had used her influence and status to weigh in and urge change? Is this in action befitting of a club and national team captain. I'm going to make a quick correction here, and I'll let you two speak on it. She did speak extensively about it after the final game of the previous season. She said you know, that she was gathering information and that she didn't want to just comment off the cuff during the season, and she was focused on winning, blah, blah, blah. Also that she, quote-unquote, is right down the road and just a phone call away in terms of helping out going forward. But I do think there's some validity to this question. What about you two? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of this. Um, I don't blame her for not speaking up during the season. That that's, I mean, there's a reason that the majority of, of the people talking about sky blue were not current players um, or talking on, you know, without anonymity. It, that's a hard thing to say in the middle of your season to just go out there and throw your team under the bus. Um, it, I don't know that it, it wasn't a great, you know, it was a great look to stay silent for so long, but it was not, would not have been a great look to just blast off in the middle of an absolutely terrible season. Um, and I also, I'm not sure what, what Lloyd is, is supposed to do. She doesn't have, she can speak out. She can post things on social media, but she, she can't board into, you know, the league meeting and say, you need to fix this or else. And what's the or else going to be? She wants to play in near her home. And, you know, Carly Lloyd's been traded to a place she didn't want to go and a trade she didn't want to have before. Hypothetically, it could happen again. And I think that's something that, that, that we have to realize about these players. Like, that's that's their job. They got to play somewhere. And if, if they speak out, I think they run the risk of losing that job. I think I agree with all of that. But I guess maybe I understand the frustration that there are maybe what? five players in the league that probably have the if not the actual kind of value but the social value to um at the very least you know get people talking about stuff um and Carly Lloyd is one of those people um at the very least not only just because she has value on the soccer field but her public profile is still a lot higher uh, than most other players in the league, even players who are also on the U.S. Women's National Team. And um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this uh, because I understand everything that Chelsea said, and I think that that's valid. But I also think that 
if you are in that specific position, maybe it is an indictment not not to use that. But I also respect that she probably just wants to do her job. But don't you think if you're Haley Mace or especially Julia Ashley, who grew up there and is maybe has that pull of playing on a team so close to home, if you get like a public welcome to the team from Carly Lloyd, isn't that maybe, maybe going to just sway you a little bit to think that, hey, maybe I have an ally here at least? Absolutely. Yeah. I think if a player Absolutely. like Carly said, I'm going to look out for you, that could ab- that could make all the difference in the world. I mean, I don't necessarily think it has to be public. I'm not too concerned with what players do on That's social fair. media. That's fair. But to give her, absolutely, should she should be giving them phone calls. I kind of think a team captain ought to be giving their draftees a phone call anyway. I think it would go a long way for all teams. But she yeah. might also realize, if she does it publicly, that it could help with this whole perception thing. So, anyway, Connor Weigert. Hope I got that pronunciation right. Here's a good one. How, how has Sophia Huerta performed as an outside back in Australia? And do you think there are any teams willing to make a good enough offer for Houston to let her go? If so, what are some possible scenarios? I'm going to let you two talk on the right back thing, but I get the feeling most of these offers include future draft picks and that the Dash are so caught up on the fact that they've never been to the playoffs that they want something that's going to help them immediately. And I fully get both sides of that. But how, how has she been in Australia? Uh, um, I've, oh, go ahead. sorry, I was just going to say, uh, she scored some really good goals, uh, and she got absolutely annihilated by Sam Kerr defensively once. Um, so I think that she's, she's been playing well, but I still think that her play in Australia has highlighted what her natural gifts are as a soccer player. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Um, I think she's, she's demonstrated what these very very attacking fullbacks can do. She has scored two goals um, in, I think, I believe nine appearances, two very good goals. Um, but she, yeah, she's, she's left space behind her and that's been exploited. Her stats are okay. Her, her duels, particularly, I think she could be better. And if you're a defender, you're, you need to be winning those duels. Um, so it, I, yeah, that was a, a very good uh, way to sum it up, Claire. She's, She's shown what Sophia Huerta also back is going to be, and it's a mixed bag. Yep. I think it says a lot that I said, how is she doing in Australia? And the first thing Claire said was she scored some great goals. That's why she's an attacking player. Yep. All right, last one. XO Woso, are there published guidelines or league standards for hiring decisions? Does the league approve the coaching hires? I don't think they approve the coaching hires. But Amanda Duffy told us, the league's managing director, told us that, yes, there are standards for interviewing minority candidates. And she was asked then, what is the uh, what happens if you don't do it? She said it would be a case-by-case basis. She was asked, has there been a case yet? And she said, no, which is interesting since Richie Burke was, and this is not an indictment of Richie Burke, but he was identified by the new owner of the Washington Spirit, the as-yet-unannounced new owner of the Spirit, before he even was the owner of the spirit. So um, I don't know what the point of having these standards is um, if you're not going to let us know. Like the, I mean, this all, you know, the NFL put in the Rooney rule where you have to interview a minority candidate for every head coaching job. So if they had 32 white head coaches and they just said, well, we have rules in place, what, what would be the point of the rules then? So what's going on here? 
Yeah, I think it, that's an interesting conversation that I think we have to have every time there's coaching turnover. Um, obviously, the demographics don't tell the whole story, but uh, I think you could probably look at who leadership roles in the league and, and think that maybe people could be uh, giving some different people with some different backgrounds, maybe some more chances. I spoke extensively to people um, on this this week, but I have a long form piece coming out about it. So I'm going to keep some of that to myself for the time being. But I will say that I think um, speaking of the league from the league point of view, that transparency and, and a lot of things that they do would go a long way. And this is one of those things. All right. That uh, certainly seems like something that maybe should be uh, some uh, something we discuss in a little bit more detail on a future episode of the podcast. But that's all we time we have for episode 42. We're about in front of the wall here and forever. Keep an eye out for or an ear out for our podcast series of interviews from the United Soccer Coaches Convention. We've got U.S. national team making their 2019 debut coming up this weekend. So that'll be the main focus uh, next week for episode 43 for Claire Watkins and Chelsea Bush. My name is Dan Loletta. You've been listening to the Equalizer podcast. Thank you for listening to the Equalizer podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Equalizer Soccer. We thank you for listening and hope to see you next time.